Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co co host. How are you, John? I'm right, you threw me. There's normally a uh, obscure like reference. A yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the reason I haven't done it this week is because I wanted to take the 20 second slot just briefly to thank all of our followers. Um, firstly, our listenership has uh, increased which is amazing. And then secondly, we've had a lot of nice comments as well. So I just wanted to take that 20 second slot to say thank you very much to our listeners. Um, really appreciate all the kind comments and, and like I said, the increase in listeners. And also um, we've always got room for more. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you enjoy it, please subscribe. But yeah, I just wanted to take that little slot just to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I agree. So let's jump into the Brighton game. Uh, the FA Cup third round, we lost 2-1. 1-0 up after a uh, really good work from Carlin Grant down the right-hand side, I believe, and then crossed it in for Callum Robinson, who dinked it over the goalkeeper to make it 1-0. Uh, Cedric Kipre got sent off. We'll discuss that in a second. Um, and then um, Moda, and then eventually in extra time, Neil Mope scored uh, to make it 2-1. And unfortunately, we were uh, knocked out of the FA Cup. Uh, what did you make of the game? Uh, I think there were quite a lot of positives, actually. Um, I mean, it was a bit brutal, to be honest with you, on uh, Twitter uh, yep. after the game. Uh, I think people were very impressed with the, the statistics because the statistics suggested that we had one shot on target, uh, 30% possession. Uh, the statistics made for pretty grim reading, but I, 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 honestly, I don't believe that that told the full story. Um we we dealt with Brighton uh, really really well. Brighton were are a good, good, well funded Premier League team uh, established. They brought a strong side, uh, and we we're not playing our strongest side even from the start because of the injuries and suspensions that we're currently experiencing. Uh, and I thought we did really really well. I thought we we dealt with with them going forwards. Danny Welbeck was anonymous. Uh, he had one chance, uh, well saved by David Button. Um, Mope in the first half was completely anonymous. He was just not not in the game at all. He was dealt with really really well. Uh, Bartley played well. Um, so first half was very much a sort of a competitive, uh, decent game of football. I thought, uh, albeit we didn't have the ball a lot. But I think this, you know, it was actually a good example of when the press, the way the press works, and the the press did work because we were really um, we were on. Brighton from the minute they got the ball and quite often they had to pass it back to their goalkeeper and rebuild uh, and I just thought we looked we looked well up for it. Second half scored really really soon on a breakaway uh, Carl and Grant was good again all game but particularly good in that moment and a great finish by Robinson, Callum Robinson and then after that you know we get to about 60 minutes-ish um, and the substitutes had to be youth players, they had to be academy players uh, we had five substitutions in the cup. Um, I think Val was determined to use them all. Um, and to be honest with you, the way it was going, you could tell that Brighton were growing more into the game. But I think you'd expect that with, uh, with you know, when you're rotating your youth players in. Uh, but the sending off was an, was just a joke, to be, to be honest with you. It was another terrible decision by the referee. Um, and that's because if you actually watch what happened, the ball is in the air. At no point does Kipre even look at, uh, is it Maupai or whoever it was who he ended up fouling? He's just looking at the ball. 
and he's just running towards where the ball he thinks the ball's going to land. And the Brighton player, whoever it was, just just stops short of the ball. Uh, Keeper runs into him as you would expect because he wasn't looking at him. Uh, and it, you know maybe it was a foul. I could see why the referee would give a foul, but to book him for that just seemed ridiculous. Uh, and the referee succeeded in destroying what was a very competitive uh, and entertaining game of football, actually, because as soon as we as soon as he did that, obviously with so many youth players on the pitch, ten versus eleven against the Premier League team is always tough. Um, and Brighton duly capitalised. Um, disappointing, potentially disappointing goalkeeping, really, because I think Button was beaten twice at his near post, which is concerning. Um, but I think he'd made that he made he kind of had a mixed game really but I think first half he was pretty good uh, saved Welbeck's shot he saved another good decent save from a long range effort I think it was from I can't remember one of their midfielders but then again and then he goes and gets beat at his near post so jury's still out on him Um, but I think overall there's a lot of positives to take I think Matt Phillips was really, really good. I think Matt Phillips looked good as a central striker, and I think he offered us something different. Uh, and he gave uh, Carlin Grant and Callum Robinson something to work off. I think um, a couple of the youth players came on and did really well. You know, seeing Taylor Gordon Hickman play in the centre of the midfield and doing well as a two against the Premier League midfield, I thought was impressive. Uh, I think Livermore was okay first off. He had a slightly, slightly less impressive second half. Um, but I think generally it's, it was a bit sort of positives. Well, I know that we lost the game in the end, and obviously we've got another we've got another suspension. But I don't blame Keypre for that sending off. I don't think it was his fault. I think the referee just took took the opportunity to get the Premier League team through. Um, but yeah, overall positive, impressed with the performance. Um, so yeah, pretty happy. I think it's. Um... It's a shame that we're, you know, another week and we're talking about a referee decision again. Uh, I don't want to, you know, go on about it because obviously we, we went in depth at uh, Thomas Bramble's performance, which was subpar last week, to say the, say the least. Uh, the referee this week, uh, his name escapes me, uh, Robert Jones. Um, it's just disappointing. You know, there really is a problem. It seems to be there's a real issue with the quality of refereeing it's a bit of a shame that we're having these good games ruined by poor refereeing decisions and i'm not just talking about the albion um you know and and obviously this brighton game it seems to be across the board that there's there seems to be really poor refereeing decisions and it's really affecting um you know football games and i just think you know i don't like i said i don't want to spend the entire podcast talking about like we did last week because i feel what we've done it if you want to listen to what we had to say uh please listen to our last episode but yeah just disappointed that we, we're talking about another refereeing decision and 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 like you said a competitive game was, was ruined by a poor decision yeah it was um i think you know to his credit after the game valier and ishmael didn't really focus on that he, he sort of he, he he put the impetus on Kipre a little bit, which may or may not be um, fair because I don't think it was Kipre's fault that he got sent off. There were a couple of occasions during the game where Kipre got caught on the wrong side, and that was one of them. He was he was running backwards towards the ball on the same line as the striker, which is never a very good position for a, a defender to be. But the, the, the referees have got to be less naive than that to know that. You know, a defender stopping. You know, a defender is going to run onto the, run towards the ball. If you if he'd have been playing, if he'd have been a footballer, he'd have known that that the ref that the defender is running towards the ball, 
And the only time there's a foul in that scenario or a serious, you know, serious foul play worthy of a, of a yellow card is if he looks to see where the, the defender is, the, the foot striker is and deliberately runs into him. You know, anybody who's played the game would know that wasn't that wasn't a malicious foul. Um, but, you know, I suppose it swings and roundabouts, isn't it, really? At the end of the day, it was a foul. So you're always, if you give away fouls and you get the wrong side of your man, you're always at risk of giving away yellow cards, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing we've got to just quickly touch on as well is obviously there was a lot of uh, frustration and anger on social media. Um, I think after generally, the game. Though, I, I think main, mainly to do with the, I mean, the attendance seemed to be a big uh, talk yeah, talking point. But apparently, um, we had a uh, FA Cup replay, I think it was against Brighton uh, two or three years ago, and it was it was a similar attendance then. Um, and obviously you've got COVID, which is an issue now as well, or, you know, a consideration for people. Um, I don't know whether, I, I feel, I don't like saying this because the FA Cup, like we discussed previously, should be, you know, seen as a really, uh, the, you know, a premier cup competition and taken seriously. But it does seem that it's not as important to people, I think, as, 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 um, as the league. And, uh, you know, I think that's reflected in, in managers' team selections. Granted, both teams put strong teams out and, and it was a bit different. But usually, you know, it's a chance for people to play youth players. Yeah, I think I think um, I can see where you're coming from with that. I think, you know, to count what, what the way I would counter it is to say that, you know, we've had a lot. We've had a lot of managers in the last few years uh, at the Albion and they've, diff, you know, different ones have treated the FA Cup differently. I don't think Val can be particularly um, offended by the turnout when you look at how he treated the League Cup against Arsenal, you know, to be battered 6-0 and, and he really played a complete under-23 side. Um, you know, people are going to people are going to go on what they what they suspect will happen because the problem is with the problem is with these games they don't release the team sheet before under they? they don't you know it's not like four days before everybody releases the team sheet and then you get the opportunity to decide whether or not you go to the game you have to go on what you think has happened in the past and what you think might happen in the future and and you know he played a strong side out of the blue really because I don't think anybody expected him to um so you know and it's 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 another cost it's another cost on top of um, on top of your season ticket, so I get that. But it's not just the season ticket, is it? It's the travel to the game, and it's you know a few beers or you know something to eat, whatever it is that you do. Um, on top of that, and then also you've got obviously, you've, as you correctly point out, you now have to have a COVID pass to get into to the ground, so you're automatically um, at risk of, of 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 people making a choice because so not everybody is um, vaccinated, are they? Not everybody yeah. is, and. and I, and because with COVID being as uh, as sort of the numbers increasing as they are, I suppose perhaps there are quite a few people who were in either isolating or perhaps are, are ill with it. So there's a lot of factors to consider other than just, you know, the attraction of the football, because there's also that factor. I think, you know, not a lot, there is, a, there is, you know, we, we can't, we don't, I don't like to talk about it too much, but at the same time, it does seem to be a talking point around the fan base that a lot of people are not very impressed with the way that the way that we go about playing the game. So all those factors taken into consideration, it's going to affect the crowd, isn't it? Yeah. I think 
you know, we've discussed Vreirishmael at <laughs> at length. Um, once again, uh, if you want to sort of hear that, go to episode 20, if you want to listen to our sort of deep dive on Vreirishmael. But, th- you know, the football is quite boring to watch. There's no doubt about it. It is entertaining. It's not entertaining football. It, you know, I, I suppose the best way of saying it is probably attritional. I, I wouldn't say it was, you, you know, I wouldn't say it was entertaining. I'll, I'll be honest, when I, you know, when I watch the game, I... I I just think, oh, here we go again. It's the same sort of thing. But so that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say that's the the sole consideration. Uh, but there was talk of Val Ball putting people off going to games. And I think it's it's got to be something that's, that's worth mentioning, really. Do you know, it's a real shame because, you know, I, I'm somebody who's been is valid. You know, I don't I don't want to see another manager sacked, especially one who's working under such constraints as, as Ishmael is. Yeah. Um, but I think I don't want to see attendances of sub-8, 9,000. I don't want to see attendances of sub-20,000. So, you know, I I am a supporter of West Bromwich Albion. I'm not a supporter of Valerian Ishmael. So if if that is genuinely the reason why people are not going, then the club, has, for me, has got a decision to make. You know, if all the things that I said before are not the consideration and the considerate, the reason why people are staying away is because of the football on, on offer. They dislike it so much. That's that's bad for the long term health of the club. Mm. You know, to have to have fans as apathetic as that um, uh, and not taking their kids along, you know, not taking their family members to the game. That's going to have a, a negative impact on the club. So, you know, if that's true, if that's real, then. You know, my my own personal view on on Valbal probably isn't as probably. I need to I need to think about other things, don't I? You know what I mean. So while I'm not saying that I'm sitting here and retracting anything I've said in the past about Valerian Ishmael, I do feel as though what can you do? You, you can't continue with that, can you? You can't continue with no. tiny attendances. You know? No, I've, and also I've heard reports as well of you know fans who for whatever reason couldn't make the game previously and been almost happy about the fact they've got an excuse to not come because of the you know the poor quality of 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 the game so not just not just the brighton game previous games as well where they thought oh next week i've got this plan so i can't come to the game and it's almost an excuse for them to not have to come and and so it is a consideration but anyway let's let's move on oh sorry actually before we do um, there's a couple of comments on our social media that i just want to just read because i thought they were they were very good comments um so i put on social media last night on our facebook page another loss another red card another poor referee what did you make of today's game so chris said baffling substitutions even though he scored robinson was awful today i'm not quite sure what has happened to dean garner but he offered little or nothing all season thought taylor garden hickman was okay until he was taking off and thought button did okay the most worrying thing was the attendance i like two-thirds of our fan Sorry, like two thirds of our fans stayed away from the match today. What does that say about what we are watching week in and week out at the moment? And then Steve said the indiscipline is going to cost us any chance of promotion. The players are definitely not with this manager or his tactics. Um, I do want to just mention about the discipline side of things. I believe it's six red cards in 12 games now, which is is shocking. Um, I mean, six red cards in a season, I think is quite shocking. 
we've got to take into consideration the referees' decisions because they're very poor. We've had three three red cards in two games. Now, I think not many people can argue. Well, in terms of um, Alex Mowat's red card, I think the challenge maybe was a red card, especially in today's game. But obviously there is a narrative to that of the fact that he got fouled straight before and the referee didn't see it or whatever he was doing. Um, and got and then, you know, I think Alex Mowat just got frustrated. And then the whole reason that Sam Johnston got sent off was because the referee couldn't spot a penalty. Um, and then, you know, last yesterday's um, red card was very soft as well. But do you think there is a problem with discipline in the squad? I don't believe that. I don't. When you look at the when you look at those red cards, three of them were caused by the referee. Um, I know that Moet's challenge might have been a tough challenge, but he was fouled immediately before it. You know, we discussed this last week, so that was a frustration tackle. That was because he wasn't getting the, anything off the referee. So I think that all three of the red cards we've had in the last two games were derived directly from the referee. That means it's been three in twelve, three red cards in twelve. Um, do we have a problem with the discipline? I don't think you can say you can say that with any certainty because you know it's not like players are punching people. It's not like players are you know getting talk talking into the book. These are genuine tackles yeah. that are cause, that are causing sending offs generally. I mean, you know, Johnson's aside, they're generally just tackles. Um, can you can you can you make comments about? ill discipline in tackles. I think generally in tackles, players are going to get the ball. Um, but I think the the way that, you know the criteria for judging a tackle nowadays baffles me. You know, when I grew up playing football, as long as you got the ball, it didn't matter. Was the first yeah. thing. Yeah. The next one was for something to be considered dangerous play, it had to be extremely late or studs up, two footed. You know, but nowadays they'll 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 you just have to be late. You know. And, yeah. and putting your putting your entire body weight into a tackling, it's considered dangerous play. But you know, the counterpoint to that is they are professional players and they've been playing this at this level for a long time, so they should know. But I don't think so. I don't think it's about discipline. I think the, the I think we've got players that we're carrying at the moment. Um, I think largely, you know, bar a couple of decent spells, I think Livermore in the midfield is 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 a bit all at sea. And I think he's going to be causing players behind him to be put into positions they don't want to be put into. Um, we don't play with wing with with fullbacks. We play with wing backs, which means if they're caught up the pitch, the wide defenders are going to have to do. They're out on an island, and they're going to have to make a tackle. So I think we we just the, the, what I would say is that the way that we play puts players on islands, and it puts them in one-on-one situations where they have to try and make a tackle. And because the criteria for a red card or a yellow card now is you're late, yeah, that's it. You're expecting perfection from players 100% of the time. You know, that's, and that is probably the weakness in, in the tactical formation for me. It's, not, it's nothing to do with possession for me. I don't care about possession. Um, I like the press. I, find, I actually find the press fun to watch because it's like a chess match. As, as the ball moves around the pitch, you see the way our players... Are trying to lay traps for the opposition, and I actually like watching that personally. Maybe it's not, but I, yeah. I despise I despise ticker tacker. I used to sit there and watch Barcelona bored to tears, you know. But that's yeah. not that's that's just a personal preference, isn't it? So if you 
if you're the problem is with the press is you're pushing players forwards onto the opposition and we definitely definitely deployed the press yesterday against Prime and I think we did it really really well by the way yeah but if they if they're Premier League players they're not stupid they're gonna they're gonna realise that if they play the ball long they're gonna put our defenders on islands and that's exactly what they did for Keeper against Keeper he was on a booking. Put the ball, put him into a situation he didn't want to be in, and he had to give away the foul. And the referee duly obliged with a stupid yellow card. So it was all, it, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's a tough one to say. You can't, I don't think you can sit there and sort of blame it all on indiscipline. I think it's when we get found out, players are put in positions that they don't want to be in, yeah. and I suppose that's that's probably the weakness in in the whole thing. I think is that perhaps we haven't got players that are quite good enough. To be on islands. Mm. Something I did think about, and and you know, this is just a theory. There's no fact behind this. It's just something I've thought about. And obviously, um, I can't. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Now uh, there was a report from a journalist that Valerian Ishmael was punching the table, and he was really visibly angry in these post-match comments. Now, I don't know if he's like that in the dressing room before the game to try and get the players motivated. But speaking as someone who played football a lot, and obviously you did as well, I would think that style of management would either do one or two things. It would either intimidate people and make them a little bit scared or stir people into a frenzy where they're like, yeah, come on, let's do this, let's go. And... I don't know if either is, well, obviously scaring people definitely isn't useful, but I don't know if either is useful. And, you know, obviously after the game, he stormed onto the pitch as well, which I said at the time, I want to manage to be passionate. But it just shows his real emotion and anger in these key moments. And I don't know if that is transferring itself onto the pitch. Like I said, I'm not blaming Valerian Ishmael for everything. I'm not saying it's, you know, it's all his fault, but it's just an observation that I've made. And I wonder if if that's what's what's going on because, you know, people like Moat obviously have worked under him before. That was a reckless challenge. It was a frustration challenge. I don't think it was just a, oh I'm going to try and get the ball now. He was angry the fact the referee hadn't blown up, and I, I completely understand why. And then Sam Johnston they got their push and shoving match. Coincidentally, the Cardiff player his name escapes my uh, escapes me right now, but Aiden, Aiden, Aiden Flint. Aiden, Aiden Flint. Thank you very much. He's uh, his red card's been rescinded, but we didn't even um, we didn't even try and appeal Sam Johnston's. But I'm just, and like I said, it's just something I wanted to mention and wanted just you know some people to think about because it's just an observation I've of, of, of found with his style of management. It seems very you know full blooded, um, yeah, trying to stir people up in a certain way. What do, what do you think? You, you could be right. I mean, you know, it's it's an observation. It's all theories, isn't it? It's, 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 it's a subjective observation. I mean, personally, um, I think I think they're professional. I think they're professional footballers. I I, I've, the, I think the, the the theme of my entire opinion about Albion this season has been that I, I place more a lot of a lot of emphasis on, Ooh, the, on the on players. the players on the players, and I expect a lot from them. I think they're well paid professional players, senior players, a lot of them. Um, I think you know. You should be able to differentiate. You know, you should be able to know that. You know, going into a challenge gives you the. Op- you know, you're at risk of being sent off if you go into a tackle the wrong way. You know, yeah. and even if you get the ball, the best you can hope for is a is a yellow. 
some of these, you know, some tackles nowadays, even if you get the ball or a yellow card. So I don't, I don't prescribe to that. Um, I, I, I honestly, I, I believe it's, it's largely to do with um, when the tactics break down, when, the, when the, the play breaks down in the wrong way, in a, in a way which is bad for us. It puts players in positions they don't want to be in, and I think yeah. perhaps some of them aren't good enough to be in those positions sometimes. And I, I, that's my honest, my honest truth as to why we're getting so many reds. No, that's fair enough. That's a that's a good point and a good observation. But I think it was worth discussing because I think obviously six red cards in twelve games is is poor, um, and it needs to be addressed. So um, let's let's. Uh, I mean, after the game, Val was quite happy with the performance. Um, he, he, you know, put emphasis on the red card. Like you said, he seemed to um, think it was more, you know, key praise fault. But, uh, uh, you know, we can debate that. We've already debated that. Uh, but he seemed quite happy. He seemed that it was good that the youth team players got a run out. Obviously, Reyes Cleary uh, got about 20 minutes, which is great. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, he seemed quite positive about it. And I, c- I can see both sides. I can see the positives. But the stats were, were you know, quite miserable reading. One shot on tar- or one shot the entire game, uh, which was the goal and things like that. So, I can see both I sides. You, I think that definitely gives uh, you, a, you a, a preview of what would happen in the Premier League. Yes, I agree. Um, so, we are back to, we would be definitely be back to that. Style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... It's not going to be an entertaining season if we got promoted next year, really. Unless oh, we had, if, you know, if we got promoted next season, it would be a disaster. Yeah, I believe because I don't think we were anywhere near the level required from. No. from I don't think the squad has the quality required. Um, so again, this is me again putting my two pence in, but I suppose what it's, you have to do when you're in a part of the podcast is... <laughs> we'd be very know, good if we didn't give our opinions. <laughs> I think it's, I think, I think it's, it's, it's perhaps, perhaps a, it's, it's opened my eyes a lot. Recently, there's a couple of things which have really opened my eyes. One is, there is quite a lot of vitriol in the fan base at the moment, and I think that's not good. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not, I don't want to see that at all. And I'm, that's not me saying that people shouldn't share their opinions. It's just I don't want to see, I don't want our fan base to be as di- to be divided like that. I just don't think it's yeah. it's positive. I don't think it's a positive thing. It's not good for the long term future of the club. No. Number two, the attendance was so terrible. I mean, that's one of the worst attendances I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe it when it was eight thousand eight hundred. I think something around I, there. I mean, I've seen some bad times. I've, I grew up. You know, I was born in the eighties. Yeah, I've seen some really bad times. <laughs> we and, have seen some bad times. Um, and we had more fans than that in the ground then. Yeah. You know. Um, so that's apathy on a new level that I haven't quite seen. And perhaps I'd underestimated just how high big the level of apathy was. Yeah. Um, so if, you know, if Daryl DK doesn't work out the way that we all wanted to, um, where do we go from there? Because the apathy and the and the sort of the vitriol could could really spill over is my fear. Yeah. My fear. So um, yeah, I, I'm not feeling particularly optimistic at the moment. I think it's largely down to that that a combination of two things. One, the reactions to these games on on social media has been so negative. But B, it's even starting to. It feels like it's starting to fall into the st- the way that the stadium's filling itself up now. Yeah, it does feel like. It's uh, it's becoming a little bit negative, and uh, you know, and I, I, I can't blame fans. You know, at the end of the day, it's there. It's it's your, um, 
it's your decision and you should never be criticised for having an opinion and, and having your opinion at the end of the day you pay your money like you said before you take your choice but yeah I completely understand it is sad that our, um, our fan base is so divided at the moment because it does really feel like the val in val out argument um, I want to talk I mean you know it's difficult to not talk about val at the moment because it's just everything seems to focus around him um but there was a really good article once again i've got to give them props the express and star they did an interview with valerian ishmael on his future um and it, it i think it gives really good insight into what the club's trying to do and with him as well you know at the helm so um he did an interview like i said with the express and star and he said we have a clear pan- plan I have signed a long-term contract and we have a clear idea what we want to see in our squad. It's about being clinical and making sure when something makes sense for us, we do it. Taylor Garden Hickman is the first step for the young players, but I'm working for the club for the long term. So we're also to create some assets for the club. We need to do the same with transfers. In the past, the club has made lots of transfers, last minute transfers. In It was a case of who was available on the market and we just picked up the player without any ID. We need to stop this. It takes time. Maybe we need another window. But when the feeling is right, if the player is right for the club, for the way our, our way to play, for the fans, we will do it. And then he was asked about, um, you know, is the stra- transfer strategy compatible with promotion? He said, that is the challenge. My job is to deal with the past, to prepare for the future and to create a pathway between the academy and the first team. But at some point, to, but at the same time, sorry, to win games, to be in a good position. Actually, we're in a transition, but at the same time, we have to win games. We need to find the right balance. We need to create assets for the club. We need to create capital for the club. Uh, And then they just, uh, we'll talk about Dara O'Shea in a second, but I wanted to focus on that part first. So if I'm honest, it seems like he's had the remit from his, you know, from from Ken and from Lai and, and, and people above him at the club that, Obviously, they want to do well and get promoted, but I don't feel like it's the main focus. I feel like there's a big transitional period happening where, you know, these these more established stars that, you know, I think we've agreed are letting the club down, they want to get rid of them. They want to have more youth team players involved. They want to, um, you know, make the right transfers. Like, I mean, like, there's no doubt about it. Daryl DK is a fantastic signing because, you know, of his age, of his quality, um, this price we paid for him really in today's market is very a very good price. I can understand the, the thinking behind it. My question is, and like I've already said, I don't want to go on another <laughs> heated debate about Val, is are we, are we doing it with the right man? It's great that we're doing it. It's fantastic we're doing it because I agree we need to have stability. We need to have one manager. We can't keep swapping and changing. I think the reason we're in this position that we are now, you know, we've gone from the 2012-13 squad of Lukaku and Peter on the wing and all these quality players that we had to where we are now is because of the constant swapping and changing. You know, you've got to think about it as a philosophy as a club. We are thinking, right, OK, we're going to go with... Um, you know, Tony Pulis style football, which is defensive. So we're going to sign this player and this player and this player. And we go in and then, oh, actually, no, he's not doing very well. Let's sack him. Let's go with Alan Pardew. Okay, he wants this player and this player. Oh, no, he's no good. Let's sack him. All right, Darren Moore, this player, this player. Oh, no, sack him. And it's like, so you end up with... Squad. Yeah, squad like what we've got now. Exactly. Players who 
are all been signed for different styles of football and then you've just matched them together and said oh now now you've got to play val ball and and some players are like oh i'm not used to this style of football and it's a bit of a shock and then you know anyway so i completely i'm behind the club for wanting to you know say right you're you're the man you are the manager we want to stick with you for four years we want you to create you know this this path from the uh, youth team to the um to the first team because that's something else that the club has really struggled with in the past you look at people like chris wood especially um you know who are obviously good enough because he's banging him in for burnley or at least he was the last time i checked um and then you know he gets he gets solved by us for nothing and ends up you know doing well but like i said i think the the concern is are we doing this with the right the right person in val um so anyway what did you make of the fact that this philosophy and this this new way of thinking by the club i mean i'm not i'm not going to bang my own drum but i've suspected this for since minute one you have to be fair you said this straight away you did mention that straight away because he, i think the transfer philosophy in the summer tells you everything you need to know because i think you know we're not going out we're not buying spending big money on players we're waiting to see what what we've got in the squad or at the moment before we go and do you know, big business. Um, you know, I think, I think for the long-term health of the club, I think the club has reached reached probably a crisis moment um, when Pardew was manager. I think Pardew was the real killer because I think a lot of chickens came home to roost uh, at that point in time because I think we had bad, we had some bad attitudes at the club, robbing taxis and all sorts of this business. You know. You listen to Chris Brunt talk uh, about that period of time. It sounds chaotic. Um, we'd moved away from Dan Ashworth. You know, we'd moved away from that sort of like stability and, and sort of like, and we'd moved into this new era of chaos. Um, and I think that's that really we've, we've been trying to recover from, from that for some time. And I think it's about time we did, to be honest with you. Um do I think Val's the right man? I see a lot of of of, of the right things in Val. I, I do. I see. I think it's the style of the style of football is going to be what we're going to need to survive in the Premier League until we get a new owner. I think I like the press. I think the press is about the best we can hope for, and still to be competitive, because you know we want to see goals, we want to see chances, we want to see things happen in games. Pulis Ball didn't didn't allow that because it was just two banks of four sit back and hope for a set piece. That's not what this is. Val Ball is not that. It's just you don't require the ball to play Val Ball. You actually want the opposition to have it, and you have to learn when to spring the trap. Now, I like, I personally, I think that's the best we can hope for. It's It, it offers us um, the opportunity to score goals from open play when we're in the Premier League, assuming we get there. Um, and it gives us the opportunity to have some excitement, you know, and to win games. So I think that's, I, I do believe he's the right man for the job personally but I've, I've gone into that many many times before um i think the key really though is listening to what he said here about you know this long-term plan it's a shame that we waited until now to start doing this with the youth players because i think i do worry that the very cream of the crop from our youth system has already left um you know yeah, you look point. at luke you look at the likes of louis barry morgan rogers we've you know we had some really really well thought of england internationals um, Nathan Ferguson all leave uh, and then the club wakes up to the fact that we've got a good academy and starts wanting to use the academy more it's just typical Albion really because it's a shame we didn't think of this three or four years ago because we might have 
some established Premier League players playing for us in the Premier League, you know. Yeah. So that's the concern because Taylor Gordon Hickman, while he is looks to be a good player, he's are the rest of them ready yet? I'm not so sure. They look yeah. very lightweight. Um, I mean, Tom Fellows, his movement is exceptional, and I really like that about him. And I think he he, he does do something different. But I think when you looked at him against Premier League opposition yesterday, he did look very very lightweight. Um, he was knocked off the ball very very easily, um, and he's going to need some work. But then they're young players; you expect that, don't you? They're yeah, not the finished yeah. article. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's the that would be a concern is that we've lost so many top end. Uh, academy players is, is uh, do we have the resources left in the academy but countering that the academy when you think about what the academy actually costs us a year it costs us a million pounds a year to to maintain category one status at the academy you know if if we once we get once we lose our um our uh, parachute payments you know i think we're only going to get four million a year in television in the, from the television deal yeah we have to rely heavily on our academy so if 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 we want to be keep continuing to invest a million pounds a year into the academy that's a quarter of our entire budget going into the academy so it's going to have to start producing footballers yeah. just to justify itself um so you know he's right you need we do need assets the club has not had players with sell on for years for years even Adam Wingy had no sell on when we left when he when he left did he no no he was old it's just you are right. The debate is yes, it's the right. We all we all think it's the right way to go. Yes, we all we all behind it, but there are question marks as to whether or not Val is the right bloke. And I get it, I hear you. However, I see enough in him, and I, I see enough in the way that he plays to think he probably is. But yeah. I don't know. Whether, could do you think we could get anybody better? Sam Allardyce didn't fancy this, did he? Sam Allardyce did not fancy this at all. And it, this yeah. this tells me everything about why Allardyce didn't take the job. Is if, if this was what Allardyce was told, I'm not surprised because yeah. this is about as far detached from from Sam Allardyce's comfort zone as it can possibly be. Developing young players, Sam Allardyce, no chance. Yeah, you know, it's, he's so, very much yeah, in that school of like like Tony Pulis was. You know, we can't rely on youth team players. We need established stars um, because you know we need we we can't, we're in a promote relegation battle or in a promotion battle. Um, but it's you know of, yeah, that's why he used to obviously high, uh, sign a lot of Man United, you know, ex youth team players, didn't he? That's he, he is almost like Tony Pulis's youth team was Man United youth team because he just signed anybody that wasn't deemed good enough for Man United. Yeah, you know, but I, you know, are we are we hearing anything from there from from Val that we didn't already suspect? I don't. I'm not. No, no. You did say early. Um, the other thing as well, and <laughs> this is the optimist in me because. I completely get people's frustrations with Val. I have my own frustrations with Val, and I am not convinced in any way he is the right person to go down this this path with. But I'd like to think... I said, didn't I, very early on in the season that DK played in the MLS, and the MLS finished in January. And my feeling was, we're going to try for him in January. And we did, and we signed him. Was it always the plan? Was it the plan... To not spend any money in the in the in the summer to save the money for DK, so we could get him in, and then the second half of the season would be better. And my theory is this: we struggle massively with scoring goals. That's an obvious thing. If we have DK, and I don't want to put loads of pressure on him because he's only twenty-one, he's not the finished article. But if he can score some goals and if he can get us winning games again, I think the pressure's off. I think, you know, obviously. The frustration 
with Valbo would still be there, but I think people would accept that we're winning games. Oh, please, please myself personally, speaking of myself personally, I think frustration would be like, okay, okay, it's working now, fair enough. That's one thing. I think the players would stop being so frustrated because they can obviously feel the frustration from the fans and they're frustrated themselves. They're professionals. They want to win games. So they're going to, you know, the red cards might dry up because I'm not saying that, you know, the referees have been bad and things like that, but there obviously is a frustration factor there for them. And I just think if, if DK comes in and he is the answer to the goal scoring problems, it might really be a catalyst for, you know, a good second half of the season you look at Barnsley they were ninth I think um when DK came in in January they weren't like you know they were close to playoffs but not quite there a bit like us at the moment I think we're still fourth um so you know we're, we're close to the playoffs uh, sorry the promotions place but we're not quite there and DK came in and transformed their team now I hope I think Val and obviously I hope this as well I think he is hoping for the same sort of catalyst from DK it does feel like a really defining moment in his in his managerial career at West Brom and I think if that is the case and the other thing as well I've got to mention is we've said this before as a team we don't have strikers who can hold the ball up who are big strong and 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 you know wrestle with defenders and hold the ball up jordan hugo was supposed to be that striker but we've discussed him enough i'd like i hope that with dk we can keep the ball at the pitch and people like carlin grant callum robinson have got someone to play off and, and you know and they can do their work in and behind him and then we've got dk for the crosses for you know, going through on goal and scoring instead of Hugel hitting it into Rosette or whatever he's doing. I just think, you know, it could be a real turning point. QPR next week is going to be the real, you know, an indicator of that. And I know it's only his first game. Like I said, I don't want to be like, oh, all the pressure's on DK. But I just feel like if if it does work out, it could be a real positive change for the club. Or, you know, and obviously I know this contradicts what the what Val's just said, but it could be the end of Valerian Ishmael at West Brom because the owners are going to... I know what you're saying, you know, and I know I understand that it's a process and I think the club are buying into it, but at some point, if the attendance keep diminishing, if more and more fans are getting frustrated, if there's more boos at full time, the owners are going to look at that and think, we can't keep this going forever. This obviously isn't working. That's my little speech over. That's a good one. It's it's very, it was, you you covered some good points. You're absolutely you know I fear I fear you're probably right. Um, you know, but I I just I think I think we when you've had such a period of chaos as we've had, you know, we need to be patient. I think as a fan base, I just I just plead with us to be a bit more patient because I really feel like we're on the edge of something something positive it's just it just i'm just every week i'm praying i'm praying we get that four or five nil win that yeah. just cements that just brings us back to where we were when we beat the Sheffield United. Season. yeah yeah because i'm seeing exactly i'm seeing improvements on that i'm seeing bet things that are better than that in periods of this in the game particularly defensively where we look so resolute and so solid and i'm just thinking you know we've got Dara Shea to come back you know, yeah. we've got some good players out at the minute and we're still competing. We're still doing really, really well. We're still we're still doing the right things. We just need some results. And that's what I feel like we just need to get. The, I just want to get the fan base back on side with it because, you know, we could toxic. We could be we can be it could get toxic. You're right. It could get very, very toxic. But at the same time, 
it's just a bit of pain. Things, not to be too philosophical, right? But the night is always darkest just before the dawn. That's what it feels like to me. I'm and Batman. I just, and I just feel like we're, just, we're on the cusp. That's how it feels yeah. to me. We're on the cusp. No, absolutely. It's it's good points, and and you know, like I said, I, I feel like for me personally, the, the sign of DK has bought Val some time, and I want to see what happens. And and you know, I think the, one of the main reasons DK came in, besides obviously wanting to play uh, for the Albion and get into the the English uh, Championship and hopefully the Premier League in the future, is is Val. His relationship with Val. So yes, let's let's wait and see what happens. I want to run through some stories quickly because. I'm conscious of us coming up to the 45 minute mark and, um, you know, I don't want to be able to be sat here all day listening to us, but there is some good stories that we need to just quickly touch on. Um, so Graham Potter has hinted at possibly recalling some loan signings. He didn't say who, but obviously Matt Clark and Jason Malumbi are both on loan from Brighton. Um, so quickly just say without zooming into specifics, probably yes. I would have to think that way. That's the way of maybe increasing your squad and covering yourself. And that was in terms of recalling loan signings. I think Matt Clark, well, both players have been good additions to the squad. And I can understand if there's a clause there, why he would want them back. Um, if nothing else, to have more squad depth, especially with COVID and, and, and players having to isolate and things like that. Um, and then the other thing was... Uh, once again, I've got to you know compliment the Express and Star. They had uh, a good interview with Val, and they were talking about Jordan Hugel. Um, and I think a lot of fans have said, why is Hugel still here? Why hasn't he been sent back to Norwich? So just to answer that question, uh, Val said, I think anything happened until January the 31st. We had a chat with Jordan earlier this week. It's clear. I told him my opinion, my vision. He got clarity. But it's not only about Jordan. I've been here now with my staff for six months, and we gave a, gave a chance to everyone. We have, an in, we have an overview of all the players. We know what we want to see. And at some point, you have to make a decision. Sometimes when you make a decision, it could be painful for people. But it's important to make that decision to move forward and to make sure we do the right thing for the club. We want to see West Brom having success short term and long term. So at some point, we have to make a decision for the club. Just breaking that down and, and you know, what I think of that, he's gone. I think he's either gone or he's never going to play for us unless we have an injury crisis. Because I think from his previous comments and his frustrations with Hugo, he doesn't rate him. And I think he's had to persist with him because we didn't have someone like DK. But I think now we've got DK. As long as he's fit and firing, I can't see Hugo getting anywhere near the first team. And Matt Phillips is back as well, which was a real positive, you said. So I think I those think, two are well ahead of him. I think the way Matt Phillips played central striker suggests yeah. we don't need Jordan Hugo. And I think... Um, I think probably the same thing is just as occurred to Val. Yeah, I think there's a lot. Yeah, sorry, go on. But it also, that also sounded to me as though we were in the market for somebody because yeah. he's talking about transfers and he's talking about the fact that January the 31st is crucial. So maybe we're in the maybe we're in the market for another striker. I hope so. We need one. Um, yeah. So but it just, I agree with you. It does sound a bit terminal for, uh, for John Eugle's prospects uh, at the club, for, to me. And I'm not surprised because... I agree with Valleys. He's had plenty of chances um, to succeed, and he just he just hasn't took it. Yeah. Um, so the last yeah. So the last story I wanted to talk about before we go into the trivia section is uh, Val did talk about January and signings and things like that, and he he sort of reiterated that we need to sell some players before we can uh, sign any further additions. Um, and just to quickly read through what he said. So at the minute, there is nothing on the ongoing situation. Uh, 
We will see in the next few weeks, but if a player is unhappy and wants to play more, we need to talk and find a solution. Now it's clear we did our job. We got our number one target in DK in the early days of the transfer window. But it's clear we need outgoings. We don't need too many players. We need happy players who are dedicated to committed to West Brom and it's important to create the environment with a smaller squad. At the minute, we need outgoings. Then we go from there. I listed three players last week. I said Sam Johnston, um, Robert Snodgrass and Jordan Hugel. The one I forgot to mention was Kenneth Sahara. Um, he can definitely go, uh, you know, and get him off for the wage bill if nothing else. But I think if we could get rid of, you know, those type of players that obviously aren't involved. Well, Johnston's a bit of a different one. He's in Val plans, but there's obviously the narrative going on around him. But the other three, I think he doesn't really rate them. And, uh, you know, I think we can get rid of people like that who aren't in his plans and try and get a couple of players in or want at least one more player in. Um, I think it would be a really good thing for the club. And I think we need it as well. I think we, you know, I don't think with a finished article, DK is a great signing. I think he's a great, you know, addition, but I, I still think we need a couple more signings before the end of January. I totally agree with you. I think yesterday uh, sort of reiterated again that how do you play? How do you play a possession based based? Uh, how do you play play a possession based style when your centre forwards can't hold the ball up and you've got no number ten? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I feel like you know this is kind of my criticism back to the to sort of the criticisers of the style of players. Where's this? Where are we? Where are the players in the squad who can play this position-based style? So, we we desperately need to be able to play that style because not every not every team, as we just discussed this at length before, not every team is going to allow us to play like Brighton allowed us to play yesterday, which is without the ball and playing a press. So, I totally agree with you. We need two or three, at least two, possibly three or four players. Yeah. And if that means that you know that we have to lose those, particularly those four, I would not lose any sleep over that at all. No. Um, our next game is against QPR away on January 15th. I'm really excited for this game. I think I'm really excited to see DK. I'm really, you know, see how we play. I really hope, I really hope he scores a couple of goals. <laughs> I, really hope he scores, yeah. I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like it's, I mean, I, I'm nervous and I'm not, it's not me. If I was this guy, I mean, I really hope this kid is insulated. Because from all this, I feel a bit was, sorry for him because it's not. His... I feel sorry for him because at the end of the day, he's coming into a new country, new job. Yeah. He's a young lad, and suddenly the weight of the world is on his shoulders. Oh well, you've got to rescue everything. Yeah. I'm only going to be happy with this if this happens. You know, yeah. all these. He's thinking the bloke who signed me could be out the door next within, week. Yeah, within weeks of being. Yeah. If yeah. I don't do my job, you know what? Yeah. It's just, I think it's just awful. Really, I think we need to. To, to get behind him and sort of give give him a bit of give, give him a bit of a chance to to bed in because he's not just gonna I mean if he comes in and scores that trick against QPR fantastic I'll, of course I'll be happy but I, I can't see that I think he's going to take a little bit of getting used to because the MLS is very different to the Championship very yeah. different yeah I think the real hope is obviously because he he banged the goals in for Barnsley last year that he'll do the same for the Albion but I agree you know I think he's going to leave a bit of time to bedding in. Uh, we are conscious of what Talksport said about the Albion in none of their really interesting and really riveting. Um, I don't know filler shows. Slot. The slot, the slot, what the filler slot in between the two adverts, in between the yeah, two adverts, uh, about, entire... yeah. What's the point in West Brom? 
Um, we're going to discuss that next week. We've we haven't got enough time to uh, go into that load of rubbish, so we're going to discuss that next week. Um, but yeah, so just to quickly jump into the trivia, uh, last week I asked you the easiest question of easiest questions: which former West Brom player is now head coach at Brighton? Um, John, did you have to Google this one? <laughs> yeah, it was really hard. This one, Mike. It's Graham Potter. <laughs> yeah, Graham Potter. So the next one, obviously, is QPR related. So obviously we remember when Odden Wingy famously drove uh, to QPR's car park and sat there. Um, the amount of memes that were around that was quite funny. And I think he, even he pokes it himself uh, a bit of fun about himself now about it. But yeah, we all remember when he, he famously drove down to QPR, even though he hadn't accepted a bid. My question is, who was our head coach at the time? So when that was happening at the end of January, um, who was our head coach? And uh, let me have a little think and I'll... Uh, I'll give you the answer next week. So, yeah, a little bit of a diff more difficult one this time. But anyway, I want to um, thank everybody for listening. We went around a little bit over, but not too much this time. Um, John, how's things going on Twitter? Really good, actually. Um, yeah, really well. So, as I said last week, I'll reiterate what I said last week, really, in that um, come follow me because that's one of the primary ways that I interact with uh, the fans and get yeah. and get access to opinions that i hadn't considered um and also occasionally i'll send out a text and, and sorry send out a, a tweet and request some feedback on something so you know if you're a fan of the podcast uh you should definitely be following us on twitter because you know that's how you that's one of the primary ways you're going to interact with us and we really really we do value that because i think so much of this podcast is about making sure that we we are covering the things that matter to the fan base and talking about the things that matter as, as well as ourselves. So, you know, get involved is what I would say. Yeah. But yeah, really, really well, mate. About 370 followers, I think, or something like that at the moment. Amazing. So up, up from... Two. What was it? Two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back in the... Yeah, back a few weeks ago. And it's all things Albion. Sorry, yes, all so. things at... Oh, go on, you say it. <laughs> sorry, oh, it's at all things WBAFC. Yeah. And the same on Facebook as well. Uh, you can search us on All Things Albion uh, or if you look at uh, at All Things WBFC, you'll find us there. And obviously we read the two, a couple of comments out um, and we like to try and do that. And I think we're quite fortunate as Albion fans because, you know, we get a, a good range of um, and I'm saying this about me and John. We, not only do we get this platform to say our opinions, but we get everybody else's opinion as well, which we really appreciate. And we get to think about things in a different way, like John said. So that's brilliant. And the other thing I've got to mention as well, I mentioned about the increase in listenership. You noticed we've had a listener in Guernsey, haven't we? And we were saying, is it Jeremy Peace? Because <laughs> he lives in Guernsey now. So if it is Jeremy, yeah. come on the show. Let's have a chat. Let's talk about, you know, times yeah, of the but anyway, let's hear it, Jason. Why did we sign Lukaku? <laughs> I still haven't got over it. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for your time, guys. John, thanks for your time as well, mate. It's been really good to talk. Um, let's look forward to the QPR game. Uh, boing, boing. Boing, boing.